This is Luscious Lou and I listen to, I listen the, to the Comic Syndicate. If you love comics, you'll be in the bed. Listen to, listen to the Comic Syndicate. If movies, movies make you contemplate, just science will accommodate. Twitter, the communication at Comic Syndicate 1. I was drowning in a sea of podcasts, and then I found the one I need at long last. Book reviews, the news, and sex facts. It's more than anyone can ask for The Comic Syndicate Podcast The Comic Syndicate Podcast The Comic Syndicate Podcast Yeah, yeah, yeah The Comic Syndicate Another episode of Comic Syndicate. Check them out at thecomicsyndicate.podbean.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Josiah and Adam. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Syndicate, episode 319. I'm your host, Josiah, at For the Villain on Twitter, at comic underscore syndicate on Instagram. What's up, guys? Welcome back one more week. Uh, let's hit it like we normally do, what we spoke about 100 episodes ago. 100 episodes ago, we entitled episode 219, hashtag bullet points. The comic syndicate episode 219, at For the Villain Hits, what we spoke about 100 episodes ago. Finally hits Twitter love and shout outs, odd questions, deep dives and rabbit holes teaser, then goes into comic talk, comic news, a quiet place sequel, Incredibles 2, Top Gun 2, it producers working on Child's Play remake, live action. I'm sorry, live-action Gundam movie, Disney, Fox News, Ant-Man numbers, DC Extended Universe, then Bales to hit comic reviews, Venom number one through number three, which was the current run at the time, written by Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman was the artist on that, J.P. Mayer was the inker, subscribe to the podcast and iTunes to share Google Play, blah, 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 blah. What's up, guys? Um, okay, so first of all, very cool. Uh, off of the title last telling 100 episodes ago, Bullet Points uh, is a new – little by little, I've just been revamping the show. So Bullet Points, I believe, is when I added that. So I even started, you know, what we spoke about 100 episodes ago. I'm like, okay, that's interesting to know what we – I mean, fuck. 100 of anything is a lot. So just to look back, I think is a good, weird, odd take on – how far I've gotten and what I've done and not repeating myself for the most part. So it's, it's interesting. Uh, deep dives and rabbit holes teaser is what we hit. Uh, I, I'm going to hit this real quick because deep dives and rabbit holes is an offshoot of the comic syndicate. So deep dives and rabbit holes is a podcast where I literally talk about anything. I dissect any topic, uh, things that I know about things that I don't know about. I will do the research and find facts and statistics on different things, and then bring them to the podcast, open forum, talk about it, dissect it, and then give my thoughts and ideas about it and experiences I might have had with that particular topic. Uh, I'm going to record one more soon. I have one in the bank, and I almost tossed one out this weekend. Like I'm like, I have zero time to record. Josiah, you have zero time to fucking read. Like, Just give yourself some fucking time. You've had a rough two weeks at both jobs, shorthanded both fucking jobs. 
you don't like admitting you're burnt out, you're fucking burnt out right now, homie. You're fucking toast and you're deep fried and you're banged up and you're hurting and you're sore because you helped your sister move. And no excuses, but just not having the time to do it. Deep dives into rabbit holes. I'm going to give you guys some topics in past episodes. When I drop a deep dives in rabbit holes, first of all, the icon is going to be different than the Comic Syndicate logo. It's going to have a fucking bunny rabbit with a jackhammers uh, with saying deep dives in rabbit holes, and the rabbit has a monocle on. So I'm really dissecting shit here. Uh, so you're always going to find those are always going to be the point one episodes. So if I would have dropped it this week, it would have been... Deep Dives and Rabbit Holes, episode 200, I'm sorry, 319.1, and then whatever the topic is. Uh, and I still get as creative as I can with the uh, entitling every show I do. It makes sense when you listen to the show, like, oh, that's what that means. Like, it, it might sound off-putting or weird or odd, but when you listen to the show, it'll make perfect sense. Anyways, episode 296.1 was a Deep Dives and Rabbit Holes called Happy Hour. That one was the 20 biggest myths about happiness. Episode 294.1 was called hashtag sleep myths, so deep dives and rabbit holes, where uh, I break down a medical article that was regarding 25 myths about sleep that are keeping you up at night and other bogus sleep claims. Have you experienced one of these, all of these, or any of these? And that topic ranged from an insomnia to snoring to narcolepsy to sleep patterns. Uh, so that was interesting because my sleep patterns don't exist. Episode 293.1 was a deep dive in rabbit holes called Hashtag Head Games. And that one was about concussions. I love football. Football season started yesterday, so Thursday. I'm recording uh, September 8th. I'm going to put this out probably tonight, Friday night, Saturday. Look. I'm working tonight, so I'm fucked. Anyways, um, so concussions, head trauma. I love football, so it was about, you know, CTE and and brain trauma like that. So it was interesting in my mind. Episode 291.1 was a deep dive in rabbit holes called Hashtag Anonymity. And this one was uh, down the road of penmanship. Questions, I questioned just, I questions, I questioned you guys, the audience, um, about writing styles, typing printing cursive like what's your go-to i'm an old school writer a proper writer pen to paper but with the lack of time it's like easier to get shit down on my laptop so i know my penmanship has gone down i think that's interesting and fascinating and which type of writing gives you the most information about the writer episode 290.1 of the deep dives and rabbit holes uh episode called hashtag typecast which was this one was so much of a great uh the prior uh Topic that I went through the process now of penmanship, the art of good handwriting, uh, and is it an odd, I'm sorry, an old or dying art form, which guess what it is. So I, I again, I love writing, so even the deep, these deep dives and rabbit holes are awesome. Episode 281.1 was entitled Hashtag Skepticism. The Comic Syndicate brings blah, blah, blah. Um, this week at For the Villain hits a brief recap on the ins and outs of each show, then rose through what are you skeptic about? And that goes from religion to what you believe in, uh, your faith, science, po- uh, not politics, spirituality, uh, what happens to you in the afterlife. Is there an afterlife? Do you believe in dinosaurs, like history? like So just skepticism. What are things that people are skeptic about in life? So... 
These are always awesome. Episode 247.1 was entitled Hashtag Cruise Control. This one was very cool because um, this was a nautical talk episode. Like, I, I've never been on a cruise ship before, and I'm like, I wonder how many people actually die and fall over and get lost at sea. So going down that rabbit hole had me rolling down so many fucking rabbit holes galore. I, I came down this site, and it was a nautical site, and... And and I got a big old like, you you do not belong on this site. You're not authorized to be here. And I'm like, who the fuck is watching me? It was just very bizarre. And I'm like, exit, exit, exit. Like it was a weird one. But just the whole nautical talk and cruise ships and how many people get lost at sea that I thought was the initial show went down several different <laughs> rabbit holes where um, I, I just learned so much about that, and it was fascinating and, you know, just nautical uh, who laws, I guess, and, and just a bunch of odd and interesting facts to me. Uh, the next two deep dives in rabbit holes was episode 243.1, hashtag tough love, which was my host and I, both of us coming from a sports background, uh, we dive into things you can't tell kids nowadays. Um, hazing, gaining mental toughness, and then briefly talk about the Certificate of Participation Awards. So that one was fun. I remember that one. This one was also interesting, episode 240.1, hashtag get off the poll. This one was interesting. We discussed the encouragement or lack of in today's society for children. Would you allow your daughter to play football or play any pool contact sport? And is it a bad thing? We then go into which jobs or careers as a parent would you not want your kid, now an adult, to have or pursue? And if you love your children enough, where does the encouragement end and when the disappointment factor finally kicks in? Or when does the disappointment factor finally kick in? These are all deep dives and rabbit holes, guys. Uh, If you're into comics and the pop culture bail out on the deep dives and rabbit holes i know there are a lot of people that only listen to deep dives and rabbit holes and not the comic syndicate so i get both audiences but you're always going to find deep dives and rabbit holes under the comic syndicate banner and once you're subscribed to the comic syndicate you're going to get deep dives and rabbit holes you're going to get the audio chronicles which i'm planning some interviews as well i work a lot i'm the hardest (laughs) look i work a lot um and yet I'm still able to find time like this week getting home later because the brothers at the restaurant are still out. And I'm getting home. We close at 10. We get done cleaning by 10.15. 10.30 on a late day. I'm getting out done, clocking out like at 11 o'clock, getting home and just so wired and even so exhausted that I don't and didn't want to read. Got home two nights ago, Wednesday, and I'm like, it was a late night. I got home like at 11.20 and I'm like, I still got to get some work done. Like I have to write and get the show prepped. So yeah, yeah, not finding the time to do it. I I love doing it. It's a lot of fucking work. Nobody knows how much work goes into it. I mean, I'm pretty sure you guys do now as far as Adam goes. Adam has help. Uh, Sarah, I know you have help. Jacob, you know what it's like. Uh, I it's a weird world for anyone that does podcasts, but to do it solo by yourself, to do all the work, the research, the writing is just a lot of work. And I work two jobs and I work hard at both fucking jobs and being shorthanded at the office. I'm like I said, I'm burnt out, but I'm here one more week and I wanted to give you guys some context and background on the, on the deep dives and rabbit holes podcast, because 
it's still a passion project. I love learning and researching sucks. But for me, now that I'm older, I find it fun and fascinating that I can still learn things and that I'm still not getting paid or getting a degree to learn these things. But holy shit, the wealth of knowledge that I've picked up just doing the deep dives and rabbit holes is awesome. So again, if you don't like the deep dives and rabbit holes or if you've never heard one, one's going to come up soon and hopefully you'll like it. And if that's all you come for, then have at it. I got two coming up for you guys. All right, that's all I got for uh, the bullet points on the Deep Dives and Rabbit Holes podcast. Please subscribe to the Comic Syndicate. Let's hit some quick uh, shout out. Sarah replied on Facebook, who I just mentioned, with the "Oh no, not another podcast." I have played the. Mo- I, I'm sorry. I have played most systems, though I can't consider myself a hardcore gamer. Growing up, I could only watch my older brothers play. Now I love my Switch. Oh, and currently reading this gem. Thanks to my podcast host, and she sends a picture of the last Ronin trade paperback. Such a good fucking read. Um, I have not touched that yet because I did take a break for a while, especially after my pops passed. And it was just time I needed. So uh, that one is a great trade paperback or just a good read in general. It's uh, all the Ninja Turtles die, only one survives, and he grabs all of his brother's weapons and goes out on a mission on a tear. And I I will definitely probably hit up Sarah once she's done reading that. Maybe we can dissect it and review if you would like to do that sometime, Sarah. Huge shout-out to the Comic Syndicate. So she also added, huge shout-out to the Comic Syndicate podcast for showing us some love. We really appreciate the support. You know as as well as we do that we do this because we love it, but we always appreciate the love from a fellow nerd. Yeah, I'm a fucking nerd, dude. There's no way around it. I'm in all this stuff I'm doing. And then from uh, episodes, thank you, Sarah. Sorry about that. From episode 317, The Deeps and the Depths, I got several just quick responses. Uh, Lynn, I had posted something up like, how do you guys listen? Lynn gets back. Simple. Potty bean. Corey says, I listen on the Apple podcast. So that's how she listens. And then she also, Corey, added a story about my question of the week from that episode. That was just crazy. I believe it's, uh, would you leave something? Or I forget what the question was. Go back, episode 317, guys. And um, she just told me an early story, and it's, it's, it was an honest story, and it, it, she made herself sound vulnerable, which she did. That's my cat. She wanted to be part of the show. Lily says hi. And uh, Corey is in a good place now, and I'm just happy she is. So last bit of shout-outs, like always, Weird Street Podcast with Jacob Medina and his wife, Eva. Find that show. Sarah Kitsinis and Derek Krentz on the Oh No, Not Another One podcast. Find them. And last but not least, my boy Adam Garza and Hector and Ben, who I don't think I've met before on the Comics and Tortillas podcast. Subscribe to these shows I enjoy and listen to, and I'm subscribed to all of them already. Wow. Um, yeah, Adam, thanks for the shout out, dude. I, I always appreciate when you send me love and support, dude. You know, I love you. I miss you. And I can't wait to record with you again soon, dude. All right. Question of the week. This one is very simple. Uh, I know a few people get existential because I know I got a response from Lynn, Lynn that was very an existential answer. And they, th- that's great. I love it. But like, yeah, you're looking too deep into it. Like, but I mean, I guess that's what these questions are based on. And so now I'm going to be a little bit more descriptive on, on these ones. And this one in particular is just fun and easy. And this is again, based on the review I have, one of the reviews I have at the end of the show. And this one is, what do you do for yourself, for your own self on your own 
to take you away from everything. That takes you away from work, from life, from the significant other, from the kid or kids, from the family, from the bullshit, from the hate, pain, or stress, or even misery of life. Like, what do you guys do? What's your Zen place? Like, what do you guys enjoy doing? Just a simple one. And I don't, I, I don't, I was going to say, I don't want any bullshit answers. Like, I love spending time with my kids. I, I get that. Like, I completely get that. Parents, look, I'm not a fucking parent. Those cards that, that, and that ship have fucking sailed. Never going to fucking happen. But, um, no, you one-on-one where we each need it in our fucking lives. What do you do to get away? That just makes you feel good and calm and puts you in good fucking place and makes you feel good and happy without anything else. No bullshit in life. That's it. Question of the week. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, I will be right back with some comic talk. Hey, this is, hey, this is Scott Snyder. I'm writing All-Star Batman uh, this year, and you're listening to the Comic Syndicate. I'm Mitch Garrett, the artist of Sheriff of Babylon. I'm Tom King, the writer of Sheriff of Babylon, and you're listening to the Comic Syndicate. Comic Syndicate. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, and you're listening to the Comics Syndicate. Hi, my name is Brian Lucilato, and I listen to the Comics Syndicate. Hi, this is Chris Michello. We're hanging out here at Frank and Sons, and are having a good time on a Sunday or Saturday afternoon. And uh, you're listening to me live on the Comic Syndicate. Hi, this is Brian Michael Bendis, and you are listening to the Comics Syndicate. Comic, comic talk. All right, guys, comic talk. Here we go. I don't have a lot of news. This one was an article I did come across yesterday that I just thought was interesting because, number one, I love this movie. I loved this actor. I mean, he was an actor, but he died really fucking young, and he wasn't in a lot of fucking movies. This one's going to be The Crow reboot starring Bill Skarsgård picked up at Lionsgate. The upcoming reboot of the 1994 gothic superhero film The Crow lands at Lionsgate, which brings the movie one step closer to the release. Fifteen years after the film first entered development, Rupert Sanders' remake of The Crow uh, was, has finally found a domestic distribution home in the form of Lionsgate, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Lionsgate will be handling domestic release for the long-awaited reboot starring Bill Skarsgård in the titular role. I love Bill Skarsgård. <laughs> I like him a lot in the movies I've seen him in, and I don't think I've seen him in a lot of movies, but everything I've seen him in, I like it. I like him. He did great as it. He he was great as the Marquis in uh, John Wick Chapter 4. I'm trying to think what else I've seen. He was in Deadpool 2. He died uh, really, really quick. Um, he, yeah, and I think of a few other things, but I don't – again, haven't seen him in a lot of things, but – like I said, I loved the movie The Crow. I loved Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee died while fim- filming that movie way too young, before the movie was even fucking completed. And they used his stunt double to complete the movie, which is fucking weird. I think they were like three quarters of the way done. Uh, anyways, the Bruce Lee curse, or the Lee curse, I guess. But um, just like his dad, he died extremely young. I love this movie. Uh, part two was okay. City of Angels was okay. The reboots and spinoffs were okay. I'm not a big fan of necessarily the rest of them, and there were reboots and sequels, I guess, slash sequels. And The Crow is not one particular person. The Crow is just like the essence of The Crow coming back for – to to right any wrongs that have come to pass with any deaths of someone's loved one. So it can 
go and transfer to any person. So it, it's not because I didn't like it's only Eric Draven, you know. So if you're not Eric Draven, I'm not going to like you. But the other ones, they just got not so good. Is <laughs> the best way I'm going to put it. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. That's all I have for comic news, comic reviews. I'm going to hit. I believe I have a lot to talk about this episode. I didn't want to go long this show, but talking about deep dives and rabbit holes and that passion project, I didn't know I was going to go that long on. So here we go. First, the review is going to be a Marvel title. It's going to be X-Men number 26. This is going to be Gary Duggan. It's going to be the writer. Jim Toe and Javier Pena are the artists. Marte Gracia is the colorist. This one starts off with the events through the eyes of Wilson Fisk at the Hellfire Gala. He and his when anti-foid married are married. They're both they're both able to live on Krokoa because she's a mutant, and they gave him some sort of amnesty because they're a couple. He can come onto the island of Krokoa. So when the events go down at the Hellfire Gala, and everyone gets butchered in massacre, his wife is one of them. So so it appears. And then we get the aftermath with all you know the mutants getting sent away and or getting killed, like massacred. But everyone else was massacred. That was there. Everyone else got sent away. Uh, we also see the almost bond and relationship in this issue between uh, Wilson Fisk and Emma Frost. And so Wilson Fisk is the kingpin villain. Emma Frost, anti-hero villain, mainly villain, but she's been a hero for a good part of, of the past few years now. And um, actually she's been – yeah, back and forth, but she, she's always that odd in-between character. And they have worked together in the past, and now – we see like this bond again um, between the two, and he's aware that Orcus is going to attack next. And this bit of dialogue happens: if they have not already, Orcus will give will move to seize your considerable assets, assets, resources that will needed will be needed for our war effort. Emma Frost answers very well. Are you going to make me say it? Will you help me? As Fisk answers. Yes, I will help you. Your enemies are my enemies. So under the idea, assumption that his wife was murdered, he wants to go after Orcus. Now, this is just very cool and interesting to see this predicament because it can have huge consequences that, you know, later on down the road for, for Emma Frost, uh, for the X-Men in general. We get the ins and outs of what is not just uh, – you know, what is Emma Frost is now doing to help mutants, uh, you know, gather mutants, but also between her and Tony Stark. She's working close together with Tony Stark um, since Orcus has now been using – since they stole Stark tech and used his armor to create Iron Man armored sentinels to go after and kill mutants. Um, so Tony Stark's pissed off. He wants his tech back. And so it's just really interesting to see, like, they're working together, Emma Frost and Tony Stark. Um, it's interesting, dude. And then we we get scenes and panels of what the remaining mutants of on Earth are going through now. So those ones that were just going to school, those ones that haven't fully developed their powers. And we see what they're going through now, the same hatred and bigotry they've always experienced, but on an even more violent level. Uh, the mutants have always gone through this, and I think that's how, why I've always been drawn to the X-Men. They're different, and, and I mean, they're mutants, but everyone hates them. And there's that old saying, you fear what you, – you hate and fear what you don't know, and it's different, so you hate it. It can't be right right um so that i always loved it so 
um, the symbolism of being of a different nationality, color, race, you know, that's that's the embodiment of what mutants are, the X-Men are. Um, you know, again, people don't like what they find is different or what they feel in their pitiful minds isn't right. So fuck those people. Um, all right. So we see Kamala Khan and she found out she's a mutant. She is Ms. Marvel when she can. She's going to a university, an Orcus university in particular, where she's kind of going in. Emma Frost put like a like a cloaker on her so she can live amongst the people without anyone knowing who she is, that she is Kamala Khan. So she won't get attacked. Um, so she's going to this Orcus university of sorts to learn how to take them out from the inside. So... It's interesting. One day she's going to school. She sees a girl getting jumped, and this one just really weird. She's about to use her powers to attack and stop these these kids that are jumping this fucking girl, and she's like, "Fuck, I can't do this. There are too many people." So she does what normal people do now. She gets out her phone and she starts recording this beating that's happening, and this is the dialogue: "You'll get yours, mutie lover." So she tries to stop the kids. The kids finally leave. The kids run away. And Kamala Khan says, hi, I'll call the police as a young girl answers. No, please don't. But you're hurt. The girl says, I'll live. I don't want any more trouble. I just want to go home. And then the girl continues on. It's funny. I'm not even a mutant. I just look different. I have alopecia. I hated feeling their eyes on me, but I'd rather go back to that than feel their fists. Guess nobody is safe anymore. Um just interesting because does that sound familiar in today's life and society, guys? I know it sounds fucked up, but I mean, let's not. Yeah. Um, so I loved this issue. This one wasn't an interesting one. I'm still. Okay. Wow. It ends with a shadow cat, Kitty Pride, going on a tear now looking for a mutant traitor that she believes is Firestar. The interesting dialogue that happens between these two is cool. Um, I really enjoyed this issue. Uh, especially towards the end, I'm very curious to see where this goes. Next one is going to be a DC title, Batman Catwoman, The Gotham War, Battle Lines, number one. Teeny Howard and Chip Zdarsky are the writers. Mike Hawthorne is the artist. Adriano Benedito is the inker. And Ra- Romulo Fajardo Jr. is the colorist. This one starts off with an inner monologue from a man talking to himself about his daughter. And wanting what's best for her, thinking to himself that he can make um, that you know that he can take all the abuse and take all the pain that gets inflicted on him, but how he hates how certain rogues villains are. As we see this dude with a black eye finally getting home, and again his inner monologue to himself as his daughter is offering him dinner, like Dad, come on, dinner is ready, and he doesn't even want to see her because he's so beat up, like literally, like when I say I'm beat up, I'm beat up, like physically, mentally drained and exhausted the home dude homeboy comes in with fucking a black guy like he gets he got fucked up so we say we see him i guess more remorseful over how he looks and he doesn't want to see his daughter or he doesn't want his daughter to see him like that so he goes to his room until he hears a meow at his window well he sees a cat opens the the window and the cat has a note that says if you risk your life you deserve the rewards with an address on it so then the next pages and panels now are now of batman where his inner monologue is completely different. And this is Batman's inner monologue. Fail safe. Red mask. I haven't stopped in weeks. And then the creature insomnia hit with night, with their nightmare link, bringing horrific dreams to life. We stop them. We always do. But the toll, this relentless life, it's catching up to me. 
so wisely, so deeply it feels so. And I just love this inner monologue, not monologue, because I love Batman, but I'm like, you know what, dude? Yeah, Batman, fucking, it is relentless, this life, right? It's fucking catching up to us just a little bit. Uh, you sleep, homie. Um, so yeah, and as he crashes out, finally, um, he gets uh, interrupted by Zurenra, who is one of his alter egos he created in case his mind got wiped or, and I'll go into this. Batman says, you shouldn't be here. So he's talking to him in like a, not a dreamscape, but kind of, I mean, kind of pretty much. And he's like, hmm, locked away, of course. I'm just your backup personality, a pure Batman, break in case of emergencies. And Batman answers, a mistake. I should expunge you. I should. And then Zurenra answers, expunge. But what if your mind gets hijacked? We prepare for everything. I am your preparation. Wait, Bruce is looking around. Batman, wait, something's there. Who? And Zarenra answers, hmm, you're paranoid. I'm evidence of that. Rest up, Bruce. Gotham needs you. They need Batman. Everyone. And then Batman, as he crashes, everyone needs me. It's too much. It's, and he's out. Now, this is interesting because when he finally wakes up, he's out for eight weeks and for batman to number one get sleep to get rest at all uh taking his micro naps and like the dude with the least amount of sleep and to be in the most peak fucking uh physical form everyone's tripping out like holy shit motherfuckers finally awake like what happened to you and he's like how how is the rest of trinity doing like you know did this happen to superman and fucking wonder woman too it's like nope only you he's like fuck so it's interesting. So he comes to terms with, okay, I've been out for a long fucking time. I need to go to work. <laughs> Look, I know how he feels. I need to go to work. You work after your work after your work. So um, I get it. And when he goes out on the prowl of Gotham, he's not coming across any fucking burglaries, any carjackings, no, nothing is happening. So he's like, what the fuck happened to my fucking city? As little by little, the Bat family is hitting him up like, Bruce, have you spoken to Oracle yet? Batman, have you spoken to Oracle yet? He comes across Robin and helps out Robin, uh, Tim Drake, and he's like, thanks for the assist, and it's cool they gave each other a hug. Like, he missed his his dad, stepdad, I guess, and, um, you know, gave, they gave each other a hug, and he's even Tim's like, have you spoken to Oracle yet? He's like, no, I turned off all comms. I just needed to get out. And so it's like we really need to – we need to talk to her, bat guy. So um, it so happens that during this whole time while Bruce is out, Catwoman has been training uh, an army of, of cat burglars. And she's cleaned up Gotham, which is weird. Like crime rates are down. Nothing crazy is going down. And the whole reasoning behind it, like she even tells Bruce – Come to my club. I want no masks. So bring your bat family and we're going to talk about the future of Gotham. So she explains to him. So they all show up. Bruce shows up late, of course, uh, late. And um, he's the only one who doesn't take off his fucking mask. Uh, the bat family is there. Dick Grayson, uh, Damian Wayne, Jason Todd, uh, Damian Wayne, Jason Todd, Tim Drake, uh, Duke Thompson, Duke Johnson. Duke, uh, the Batgirl, so Oracle there, Batwoman's there, 
the whole Bat family is fucking there, and his Robins are all fucking there. And it's just pretty much Catwoman explaining to Bruce, like, uh, I taught these cat burglars myself. The goal is strictly steal from the rich. And any, you know, any earnings you get from any of the gold, diamonds, wealth, money, anything you steal, give 15 back, 15% back into schools give money back to you know orphanages like uh put it back into the city in a in a proper way and this has been going on for eight weeks since batman's been out cold and batman gets pissed off like this is my city it's still stealing we this is not how i do things so this is where the battle lines comes in the ideologies between both of them and how they still love each other Never did get married or briefly married, and it just didn't work because Bruce had to work all the time, and his mission was more important than the person he married and or loved. Um, so you can you know they still love each other, but they hate each other more now, especially with this conflict that's going on. How do you guys feel about it? Like this one was an interesting one. I'm like, you know what? I'm down with this. Very fucking cool. So that one was a good one. Uh, the next two, uh, okay, let's go through this one real quick. This is going to be The Sacrificers number two. It's an image comics title. Uh, Rick Remender is the writer. Max Fiumara is the artist. Uh, so both of them, Rick Remender and Max Fiumara, are the creators also. Dave McCaig is the colorist. Russ Wooten is the letterer. This issue starts off, and I reviewed issue number one a, a month ago, I believe, um, and again, it starts off with narration. This one from the the bird kid from the first issue, the one whose dad beat him up and kept him in the barn before before turning him over to this group called the Harvest, I believe, gathering um, young children of different species that are all shackled together in what is essentially a fucking chain gang. Um, not a gangbang, but a chain gang. Um, but um, all these kids are like 11 or 14, just different species, different animals, even humans. They come across now a town where the whole village is actually happy to see the foreman of the harvest and just the harvest come in general. So now this town is celebrating. This temple opens up and a woman that looks like an orca comes out. And I literally just put, she looks like a fucking orca. She's a little like human walking orca in human form. So the town is celebrating, and everyone's saying, all hail the Messiah of hope. And this is where the contrast from uh, the first issue comes into play, because first issue, like, here's my bastard son, take him. And this one is, like, completely night and day. Do you give yourself freely, is what the um, the, the foreman says, uh, where we see this little orca girl now almost proud and happy. Uh, with her village cheering her on as she holds out both her hands, her clenched fists, to get cuffed up? I do. Um, it's it's more of a celebration for the species or, or race, and which was interesting. Again, the contrast between the first issue and this one. And now we get this trek of this, this chain gang now. Uh, this group of children are on now currently through snowing mountain passes. Um, as they pass, a girl and her dad are out gathering flowers and she's like dad who are those people the dad grabs her right away and they quickly fucking take off they finally you know stop and rest at night and we get some dialogue and this is amongst the children so i thought it was interesting i'm going to toss it out real quick can someone please tell me where we are going 
as they're all gathered around the fire. Our herd were to be fed to uh, Aquatica as gargantuan in the gloom sea. No, we fight each other in the Luna arena. We're to be bled out slowly in a Maccabee ritual. Fools, you know nothing. Tomorrow they march us over the Vale Cliffs, where, we'll, where we are to be thrown into a volcano to burn in honor of Rocco's light. So it's literally a conversation between a bunch of kids now, making up their own stories, not necessarily knowing what's in store for them. As the bird kid finally says, I don't know. doesn't look like a volcano. And I, I really don't want to go so deep on this title, but I thought this particular conversation was interesting. And we get the different background briefly of the children now. Like, you... Issue number one makes more sense now because, fuck, dude, like, you beat your fucking kid and you keep him in a, in a fucking barn. And reading this one, especially what the other kids are saying they went through, is nuts. And you get kind of more like the dad didn't want to get too attached to his son, so that's what he did. And it, it's fucked up to say, but, like, he didn't want to get too attached to his son because he knew he had to give him up for this harvest. And then we see this orca family that is happy to do it. And then we see everyone else like, no, nah, fuck it. My parents hated me. They they beat me too. Like they they kept me in a fucking dungeon and they made me eat bread. like rats. Like it's, it's fucked up. So to see everyone's granted brief background is interesting. So it's worth checking out. It's, it's worth reading, guys. I love Rick Remender. His writing style is dope, and I love it. So it's worth checking out. This is going to be a long show, guys. Last one's going to be probably my book of the week. I'm trying to think if I fucking read anything else. No. Um, worth talking about. No, I'm going to end it on this one because, uh, yeah, it's a long episode. This one's going to be an Image Comics title. This is going to be Kill Your Darlings, number one. Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan are the writers. Robert Quinn is the artist. John J. Hill is the letterer and design. Um. Just to, okay, I'll finish the story and then I'll go into some brief background. So this one starts off with a young girl um, gets burnt in front of her parents. So it's almost like a Salem witch trial-ish looking scene and panel where she's tied to a stake and her parents are there. She's like, mom, dad, help me. And the dad's like, don't look, babe. And they set this little girl on fire. That's how it fucking starts. Then it goes into a battle between two warring factions. One side are like twisted animals, and the other side of the army is a really cute bunch of little fucking animals that look fucking adorable. And I'm like, the fuck is going on in this fucking scene? And almost stuffed animal looking. Like, it's just weird. And that's where I'm going to stop, because this is an interesting fucking title. Um, the way, first of all, the art is fucking dope, amazing, gorgeous. Like, uh, the scenes between the, the Salem witch trial era looking panels in the beginning compared to this war scene. And you've got, you can see right away the next page is it's a young girl and her imagination. And she has like these dingy looking, uh, animal stuffed animals and then she has some really cute adorable stuffed animals so she's literally playing gi joe with stuffed animals and like a war so like we used to do as fucking kids and i'm like dude this makes perfect fucking sense now just once you see that it's like okay that's cool 
And then you see her going to school and you see actually even before her going to school, you see her creativity and you see how smart she is and witty she is. And again, the creativity behind this little girl. And I miss having that creativity as a fucking kid, you know, like your imagination is there's no fucking balance. So it was just fucking really cool to see that we see her interaction when she's at school with her friend and almost a fucked up scene i'm like that's fucked up this little bitch is her friends like she's like oh i had a big war they finally signed a peace treaty last night because like holy shit it finally happened uh, or wow it finally happened and he's like maybe you can come over to my house and you can come play you know at, at my you know in my imaginary world sometimes she's like no your imagination's not so good like and i'm like this bitch that's where i say the whole this bitch part um, was fucked up but besides that it was a great read and uh, we see her getting home and her even playing with her toys and coming up with these elaborate drawings of these battles and then naming her fucking toys and characters was fucking cool to see again the creativity and imagination i just fucking loved was dope and to see her like mom we're still warring we need we need reinforcements so she wants her mom to play with her and we see her mom stressing over paperwork which happens to be bills and she's just going through bills after bills and she's like i can't right now i gotta take care of these so she's like mom we really need reinforcements right now so it's just cute to see that aspect of it and and we see something go down um the girl goes to sleep and she she comes across we can't see a creature yet we see a, a cave she comes across and we see the art style is amazing especially with the dialogue and the story because it's very descriptive like the way it, a kid's drawing would be with crayons we see it distorted and scratched out with with crayons and it's just interesting to see the pages and panels how it goes with the story and how it, as the story somewhat gets darker her imagination or even the things she created got darker as well and not dark dark but like yeah it's interesting this one is worth picking up it's worth reading i loved it i really did love it it was book of the week i don't want to spoil anything besides that in this fucking title and i think i spoiled a lot but i, I didn't complete the story this one, find it if you guys can. It's Kill Your Darlings, number one. Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan are the writers. Robert Quinn is the artist. I love the art on this. Uh, John J. Hill is a letter, letterer and design. Uh, dude, hats off to Ethan and Gr Griffin. I fucking love this. Now, this is interesting. I used to, and still do occasionally, listen to the Ryan Stegman and his Amazing Friends podcast. Uh, I don't know how he hooked up with these two. These guys are young fucking kids. Sorry, guys. Uh, you guys, are, If you guys are younger than me, you guys are kids. If you guys are in your 20s, you're still kids. If you're in your 30s, you're still kids. Uh, Ethan and Griffin were on the show with them. They were like co-hosts, but it started off with them. And then Donny Cates also jumped on, and they were writing Venom at the time. So Donny Cates was the writer of Venom. Ryan Stegman's a fucking killer artist that I love. And they're talking about the process and breaking down the book and how they feel about Venom and where the King in Black is going or was going at the time. And I've, I'm, I'm like, I've read the names and I'm like, these names sound familiar. These are those fucking kids from that fucking podcast that with them. And for them to, number one, be this creative 
with the writing. I fucking loved. So you guys did a great fucking job, and this was my fucking book of the week. Um, I'm going to reach out to you cats to see if you guys want to chat sometime, but good job. Fucking kudos. This was fucking dope and sick as fuck. I can't wait to see where this uh, title goes. So yeah, I'm fucking way on board on this one. Okay, guys, uh, let's see what we got. Okay, based on this particular title, I don't know why. I thought it was interesting. Uh, what do you do for yourself on your own to take you away from everything? From work, from life, from the significant other, from the kid, kids, from the family, from the hate, pain, stress, or misery, bullshit that life has to offer. What is your Zen place? Do you like to work out? Do you like to run, read, write, do yoga, take a walk, meditate, pray? What do you guys do? Um, this one was cool because the creativity behind this one, I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. I think I'm... I think I'm a creative – I know I'm a creative if I'm able to do this for 319 episodes and create something. I am a creative. Um, thanks for listening, and I will catch you guys next week. Peace out. What thing makes me happy? For me, music. Um, I've just been so scared to feel anything the past year, though. So since my, my dad passed away, I haven't given myself or allowed myself the time to enjoy music. But I've been craving it, and I've been missing it, and I've been needing it more lately. Um, I didn't want to feel anything. Music makes me feel and uh, not to say when I'm in the car driving to work, you know, driving to the to the supermarket, dri driving to see my family, wherever I'm, I am I'm going, uh, doesn't mean I don't listen to music. Whatever's playing, I'll, I'll listen to. But I don't actively search for and look for anything anymore. Albums that would normally make me feel good, I don't even search those anymore. Like I've. I don't want to feel like, it, and that's weird to say, but that is normally my happy place. Like it makes me feel good. It, I'm able to get away. Um, if I need to feel something, even sometimes lately I've been wanting to feel and, and honestly fucking cry, dude. <laughs> um, I know how to make myself hurt. And I know that's, it <laughs> sounds so fucked up and so bizarre. Um, but I'm going to be honest and real. Like I don't, do anything to physically harm or hurt myself, but I know how to hurt myself. And I haven't been wanting to feel anything. And it's time to start feeling something again. So music for me, guys, is is number one. Um, I want to say reading makes me happy. Writing makes me happy. Um, mountain bike riding would have to be up there. It would have to be up there. Um, I hate running. Uh, doesn't make me feel good after i'm done running it's like all right cool you kick some fucking ass but it's not my go-to music would have to be it for me mountain bike riding would be up there um is my happy place so mountain bike riding music number fucking one and then honestly for some reason uh the close second is going to be doing this podcast for some reason all the work i do and put into it especially the past two weeks at the, both jobs 
just being so shorthanded has been insanely terrible for me. Um, one of my great friends that not being complete there, they're at the office 100% of the time, the Monday through Friday, eight to five, then going to the restaurant and missing two key pieces and assets and cooks back there, Alex and Albert, like, and these motherfuckers work hard. Like we're struggling, dude. I've been, I get out fucking late. I'm home by 11 and last week I was able to pull it off Thursday helped my sister move to get home, shower, go to work, come back home, exhausted, beat up at 11 something and finding the time like, okay, I gotta go. I've got to work now. I got to work on the podcast. Um, is a weird and bizarre fucking thing, but this is a close second. Like again, no existentialism guys music for me. It just puts me in that fucking happy fucking place. And yeah, like, if I want to cry, I'll watch Big Fish um, because it reminds me of my fucking dad and the stories he used to tell me. And if I want to cry proper, that's what I'm going to go to. Um, I've found out recently, and I love watching shit by myself because I I don't mind watching it with people. But if I watch it with people, I know I'm going to ball. Um, I found that The Atom Project um, that dropped on Netflix last year is also one of those movies that makes me feel because it reminds me of my dad. And again, I know how to make myself hurt. And um, music is definitely it. And I, I listened to an album a few weeks ago and did the same thing now. But music. I'll catch you guys next week. Peace out.